Before we start, uh, I understand that uh, the clients wanted us to let you know that some of the uh, there were some articles that were left at the uh, clients' place after the baptism, and they're back in the back there today, so you can you can come and grab them and pick them up. So do we have a do we have a clicker working here? Or? Yes. Okay, good. That's good. Need to know before I get started. Well, as we come to look at God's word this morning. I would like to start out by asking you to kind of put your imagination to work for a minute. Uh, think about this scenario and put your imagination to work and think about this and think about how you would feel in this particular instance. So think about this. You've just gotten off of a phone call with your best friend and during that call your dear friend had very soberly told you that he was going to die tomorrow. And since that best friend is also the owner of a small company for which you also work for, you realize that as of tomorrow, guess what? You're unemployed. And also as the owner of the company, your friend has informed you that a lot of his fellow business associates are really, really, I mean really angry at him. And as a result, with you being an employee of that company, he has now warned you that these business associates are going to be coming after you to kill you. How would you feel in that situation? Upset. <laughs> Just a little bit. Overwhelmed. Overwhelmed. Like, what do I do now? What else? Oh, bring it on. Bring it on. I'm after it. What's that? The next flight out. Yeah, take, what's the next flight out? Let's get out of Dodge, huh? Yeah. Anything else? Be a tough place to be, wouldn't it? Well, interestingly, the... Um, in the passage that we're going to study this morning, the disciples were in much the same situation. You see, about five days earlier, they had come into Jerusalem with Jesus, and Jesus had come in on a donkey. And the crowds were there yelling, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. And they got the picture that the Messiah was coming into town, and he, they thought he was coming to set up his kingdom. And then Jesus goes in from there and he goes into the temple and he sweeps out all the money changers and all the people who are selling sheep uh, for an obscene profit. And the disciples are thinking, yeah, he's cleaning house before he starts with the kingdom. And they're also thinking, hey, guess what? We're his disciples and he's coming into town to set up the kingdom. So guess what we're going to do? We're going to be rulers with him. Wouldn't that be nice? But actually, in the last 24 hours before the passage we're going to look at today, things had actually taken a very dark and very kind of confusing turn for the disciples. In fact, in the last hour, Jesus had just told them that he was going to be gone and that he would be put to death by the Jewish leaders. And then he had told the disciples that not only that, but these same Jewish leaders were going to be coming after them to kill them. And then within a very short time, it was actually going to be considered a religious act 
to have them put to death. And they're going, oh my, what's up with this? And they realized that their career as a disciple was pretty much done, at least in the form that they, that they had it, and that they would become social outcasts. And Jesus also told the disciples that they would all desert him. And Jesus recognized the, the impact that these words would have on these disciples. And in the verse right before the passage that we're going to study today, John 16, verse 6, Jesus comments this. He says, But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Sorrow and so much more. And taking all this together, the disciples had to be confused, they had to be scared, and they had to be discouraged. Have you ever been in a real tough situation like that? And felt like that, confused, scared, and discouraged? And if you, ha if you haven't been in that kind of a situation, then I'm sorry to tell you, but at some point you probably will. That's just what it's like to live here, here on this earth. It's a tough place to be. And I suspect that some of you today may be even in that situation right now. But if that is so, then take heart. Because knowing the disciples' frame of mind, Jesus gave them some much-needed encouragement and direction. He helped them to see that the Holy Spirit would be the primary provider of direction and encouragement. And we would have us, and he would have us to live in that same paradigm with the Holy Spirit today. And the title of the sermon today is Live by the Spirit During Tough Times. And turn in your Bibles to John chapter 16, verses 7 through 15, and let's take a look at what Jesus says to these confused, scared, and discouraged disciples. First, Jesus promised the disciples encouragement via the Holy Spirit. Look with me at verse 7. Jesus tells his disciples, he says, But I tell you the truth, it's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. First off, Jesus tells the disciples that they need to change their perspective on the fact that he is leaving. The disciples thought that this was a total disaster. They couldn't figure out how this was going to work out well with the master gone. But Jesus tells them that his leaving is actually a benefit. And he tells them why it is a benefit. Only if he leaves will the helper come. And this was not the first time that the disciples had heard this concept and heard Jesus refer to the Spirit of God as the helper. Actually, they had heard Jesus refer to this actually two different times in this last couple of hours. In John chapter 14, verse 26, Jesus told him this. He says, But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to remembrance all that I said to you. And Jesus reinforced this a short time later in John 15, 26. And said, when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, that is the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify about me. 
Jesus seems to be determined that the disciples understand that this Holy Spirit is the helper. And though they had heard this a couple times, this, the concept of the Spirit being a helper was kind of a, a little bit of a new concept for him. And he wants the disciples to see that the Spirit would encourage them by helping. So what does Jesus mean when he says that the Holy Spirit is going to be a helper? What does that mean? It means this, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to solicit a victim here. Ralph, I'm going to have you stand up here. See, isn't this nice? You come to the service, you get victimized. You stand right here. I want to show you, this is what the helper is. It's this. It's the one who comes alongside and by implication puts their arm around him. That's what the helper is. Thank you, Ralph. You can sit down. You've been a good victim. But actually, it's, it's even more than that. The concept is even more than that. Do any of you guys have a King James Bible here? Yep. Okay, tell, what does it call the helper in the King James? The comforter. It calls him the comforter. Because not only is the Holy Spirit the one who comes alongside and puts his arm around us, he's the one that provides comfort for us. And he gives us words of comfort. And do any of you guys have a New International Version? What does the New International Version call the helper? It calls him the counselor. Because the Holy Spirit also is also the one that comes alongside of us. And he puts his arm around us and, and he says, Hey, this is where you need to go. This is what you need to do. And he gives us counsel as to what we should say and what we should do during these times. This comforter, this counselor, this helper would be the one who would be with the disciples at all times. And in his earthly body, Jesus couldn't be with them there at all times. It didn't work. But this helper would be a huge benefit for the disciples because he would be there with them always. And like the disciples during tough times, we need to allow the Holy Spirit to encourage us as we remind ourselves of the Lord's nearness. So important a concept that we do that. You see, the Lord is right there with us too, as He was with the disciples. And the Spirit walks right through difficult, tough times with us, right there, as our helper our comforter, and our counselor. And one of the other jobs of the Holy Spirit is to make us aware of the Father's great love for us. In Romans 5, verse 5, Paul tells this, Hope does not disappoint, because the love of the Spirit, love of God has been poured out within our hearts by the Holy Spirit who is within us. And the Scriptures also tell us another job about the Holy Spirit, and that is the Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. So not only is the spirit walking through troubled times with us, and he's being the comforter and the counselor, but he reminds us of God's great love for us. And he reminds us of the fact we're his kids. What a great thing, and oh, what an encouragement that had to be to the disciples during that tough time. 
And Jesus continues giving encouragement to the disciples in verses 8 through 11. Read along with me there in your, in your Bibles. He said this, he said, And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you no longer see me. And concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world has been judged. And you know, when I, I first looked at these verses, I was kind of scratching my head and thinking, now wait a minute, if Jesus was trying to encourage the disciples, why did he talk about this? And the clue to answering that question is actually found just a little bit earlier in this whole discourse in John 15, 26. Remember that Jesus had said this just prior to the passage we're looking at right now. He said, he said when, and actually I'm a slide behind here, so let me see if I can get through this. Would you click that slide forward for me? See if we can get that. And one more. One more slide. There you go. Now one more slide from there. Well, it looks like we're having little technical problems here. Uh, so I will... Uh, I will read, the, read it to you from my notes here. He said this, he says, When the Helper comes, whom I will send from the Father, that is, the Spirit of Truth, who proceeds from the Father, He will testify about me, and you will testify about me also. You see, Jesus had told them now that they would testify about him. And you can imagine what they must have been thinking after Jesus unloads that nice little bombshell on them. They're probably thinking, oh, this is just great, Jesus. You're leaving, and now everybody's going to be after me, and you want me to go out there and testify? Oh, yeah, this is just wonderful. And that's why Jesus told him what, they, what he did in verses 8 through 11. He knew they would be feeling overwhelmed. And this is why Jesus gives them this encouraging word about the conviction ministry of the Holy Spirit. You see, the disciples knew that they were going to be testifying about Jesus, but now they also knew that the Holy Spirit would take care of the results. And the results would not be their responsibility. So, in these verses, Jesus is telling the disciples that the Spirit would encourage by convicting non-believers. Ah, it's working now. Hers by helping. Ah, we're just going to have to give up on this. Technology has deserted us here. So, now let's look specifically at what Jesus told the disciples that the Holy Spirit would testify about Him. First, he tells them that the Holy Spirit would convict the world concerning sin. And look, you can look that in your Bibles in verse 13. In other words, the Spirit would cause unbelievers that heard the disciples' testimony to be repentant over their sin. And in particular, Jesus is talking about the sin of unbelief in Him. And we see this happening actually in the first testimony that was given by the Apostle Peter on the day of Pentecost. Remember that? You remember what happened and then what the result was? 
Actually, it says in this passage in Acts chapter 2, verse 37, it says, Now when they heard Peter's testimony about Christ, they were pierced to the heart. And the Holy Spirit convicted them, and they said to the disciples, Brethren, what shall we do? You see, guess what happened? The Holy Spirit convicted those unbelievers of their sin and their unbelief in Jesus Christ. And Peter simply had to testify about what Jesus had done, and the Holy Spirit brought 3,000 people to faith in Christ. And second, Jesus tells the disciples that the Holy Spirit would convict the world regarding righteousness. And what Jesus is talking about here is His righteousness. You see, He is going to the Father, and He is the only one that is capable of going directly to the Father because of His righteousness. And, you know, we just looked at what the response was of the multitudes at the day of Pentecost when Peter testified. And guess what Peter had testified about? He had testified about the righteousness of Jesus. That's what he testified about. And what had happened when he testified about the righteousness of Jesus? People were convicted of their sin. You see, when we testify about the righteousness of Jesus Christ, people are convicted of their sin. And third, Jesus tells the disciples that the Holy Spirit will convict the world regarding judgment. And notice the reason in there that Jesus gives for this in verse 11. The reason that the world will be convicted about judgment is because the ruler of this world has been judged. Now what Jesus is trying to get across here with this point is that if the greatest enemy of all, the devil, has been judged and condemned, then you can be sure that lesser enemies will not escape that judgment. Mm -hmm. And Jesus is assuring the disciples that the Holy Spirit will convince unbelievers that judgment awaits those if they continue rejecting Jesus Christ. Yes. And the ministry of the Holy Spirit of conviction is what brought me to faith in Christ at age 15. On New Year's Eve 1973, the Spirit of God convicted me specifically that I was headed for judgment. But the Spirit also convinced me that the grace of Christ was available to me to pay the penalty for the judgment that I deserve to pay. Amen. And that's right. And that night, I gave my life to Christ and never had to worry about that judgment or that condemnation again. And I'm very thankful for the conviction ministry of the Holy Spirit, because that's what brought me to faith. And you know, judgment really is not a real popular thing to talk about these days. Had any conversations about judgment lately? Yeah, not real fun if you did. But the judgment and wrath of God is nonetheless something that is sure to come on anyone that rejects Jesus Christ. But Jesus died on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins and take the judgment which we deserved for our rebellion against God. And make no mistake, all of us have rebelled against God. And there may be some of you here today whom the Spirit is convicting of your sin and convicting you of the righteousness of Jesus and convicting you of the judgment to come. And if I'm describing you, 
make today the day that you call out to the Lord and say, Lord, I know that I have rebelled against you. Please save me and save me from the judgment that is to come. And if that's you, just in the quiet of your own heart, say that right now. And also on the way out, let me know. Let me know that you've made that response to the Lord Jesus in that way today. And these three conviction ministries of the Holy Spirit had to be very encouraging to the disciples at this point. They knew they would have to testify about Jesus. Jesus had told them that they had to do that. But they also knew that the Holy Spirit would take care of the results and do it in a very, very mighty way as they testified. And this same encouragement applies to us today, even when times are tough. Because in tough times, we need to remember that it is still our job to testify about Jesus. In tough times, we need to remember it is still our job to testify about Jesus. And we simply need to tell what we have seen and what we have heard. That's what it means to testify in court, is you simply tell what you have seen and you've heard. And at the same time, as we testify, remember that the Holy Spirit is responsible for the results, not us. I'll say that again. As we testify, remember that the Spirit is responsible for results, not us. So Jesus promised encouragement via the Holy Spirit to these confused and scared and discouraged disciples, but he almost also promised direction via the same Holy Spirit. And as we discussed earlier, the disciples had been wondering, what are we going to do now with Jesus gone? I mean, for the last three years, when they had a question, what would they do? They'd turn and talk to him. And he'd tell them exactly what to do, what to say, or things like that. But now that wouldn't be possible. You'd be gone, and they were wondering what in the world they were going to do. And Jesus knows this, and he proceeds to tell the disciples how he is going to take care of them in verses 12 through 15 of our text. And please read along with me there. Jesus said this, I have more things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak of his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will disclose to you what is to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of mine and will disclose it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he takes of mine and will disclose it to you. So in this passage, Jesus promises that the Holy Spirit would direct by revealing truth. He would direct by revealing truth. And as we look at verse 13 in particular, the question that comes to mind is, well, what truth is Jesus talking about there? Well, he gives us a clue as to what this truth is at the end of that very same verse there, because he says that this truth would include what is going to happen in the future. In other words, the Holy Spirit would reveal truth to the disciples about his plans and his purposes for them in the future. But also notice that Jesus says that the Holy Spirit would guide the disciples into all the truth 
Every bit of it. In other words, the Holy Spirit would help them to understand every bit of truth that they needed to know. He would help them understand the meaning of what Jesus had said and what he had done. He would help them to understand how the Gentiles would fit into this new picture of the church. And he would help them to understand how all these Old Testament scriptures fit into this new covenant which was about to be revealed. And on a very practical level, the Spirit would help the disciples to know what direction that they should go. And in this passage, Jesus also helps the disciples understand how this truth is going to be revealed to them. First, notice in verse 13 that Jesus tells them that the Spirit will guide them into all the truth. Any of you guys seen a, a uh, seeing eye dog? You know how they lead their, their master through all the obstacles so that they arrive at the place where they need to go without running into a wall or falling off a curb. And that's much the same idea of what, the, what they were saying to them, is the Spirit would guide them in that same type of way. You see, the, the Holy Spirit is there to guide them. And Jesus is trying to tell them, guys, you don't have to worry about this. The Spirit's going to guide you. And He will make sure that you understand all the truth about the stuff that you need to know. And second, look in verse 13 and notice that Jesus tells the disciples that the Spirit would speak. In other words, they would be able to clearly understand what the Spirit was trying to tell them. It would not be some wild and crazy mystical experience. They would hear His voice. And interestingly, Jesus explains that the Spirit would speak only what he hears from Jesus. He would not speak of his own initiative, but the Spirit will, as it says there, take of mine and will disclose it to you. Now, I can't be 100% sure, but I believe that this had to spark a connection in the disciples' heads. Because you see, earlier that very same evening, Jesus had said a couple of things similar to that. One, he had said, and this is in John 14, verses 10 through 11, if you want to turn there. John 14, 10 through 11. He had said this, he said, Do not believe, do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own initiative, but the Father abiding in me does his works. And if not this night, at least later on, the disciples had to connect the dots here. You see, the spirits, or Jesus said nothing of his own initiative, but only spoke what he heard from the Father. Now Jesus tells the disciple that the Spirit will speak nothing of his own initiative, but only what he hears from the Son. And ding, the light bulb had to go on. Jesus had modeled for the disciples exactly what he wanted them to do. Jesus listened for the voice of the Father. And that's how he knew what to say and what to do. And the disciples were being told to do the exact same thing 
but with the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. The same thing. And the disciples were being told to listen for truth from the Holy Spirit. And this is how they would understand what, to know, what they needed to know and what to do. So how should the disciples listen for the voice of the Spirit? Jesus modeled that for them too. Turn in your Bibles over to Luke chapter 5, verses 15 and 16. Luke 5, 15 and 16. I'll read that for you. The news about Jesus was spreading even farther, and large crowds were gathering to hear him and be healed of their sickness. But Jesus himself would often slip away into the wilderness and pray. Was Jesus involved in a successful, thriving ministry? Oh, you bet! People were coming from all over the place to see him. He was mobbed. People were going crazy to hear what he had to say and to be healed. But even in the middle of that growing, thriving ministry, Jesus would often slip away to a quiet place to converse with the Father. And he would listen to what the Father was saying. And notice that back in our passage that we're looking at today, back in, in John chapter 16, you can turn back there. Notice that in verse 15, of John 16, that he closes the loop on this whole direction thing. He says, all things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he takes of mine and will disclose it to you. You see, the Father reveals truth to the Son. And the Son reveals truth to the Spirit. And the Spirit reveals truth to us. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are all involved in giving us direction on where we should go and what we should do, telling, revealing truth to us. And this information had to be so helpful to the disciples. They now knew where they would get all the truth they needed to go forward. And they knew that they would have the direction and insight that they needed to do whatever Jesus called them to do through the person of the Holy Spirit. And not only that, but they had seen Jesus himself model the whole process about how that occurred. And this can be so helpful to us during tough times. How do you and I know what to say and do during these tough times? the same way that Jesus told the disciples that they would know, through the direction of the Holy Spirit. How do you and I allow the Spirit to direct us during those kind of times? The first thing you and I need to do is get our Bibles open, and preferably in a quiet place. And when I say quiet place, think wilderness, if that is at all possible. And when you read your Bible... Know that you are hearing directly from the Holy Spirit. God is speaking to you from that Bible. And be alert for what stands out to you from that scripture. 
And when a verse or a group of verses as you're reading stand out, then stop right there and look at those verses and meditate on those verses and take them before the Lord and say, Lord, what is it you're trying to teach me here? What is the direction you're trying to give me? And as frequently happens, if the Lord brings more verses to your head and leads you to those, then go over there and look at those too and say, Lord, how are these connected? What are you trying to teach me by your Holy Spirit? You see, this is the Spirit of God communicating to you truth through the Word of God. And that's how primarily how He reveals truth to us is through the Word of God. And then as the Holy Spirit speaks to you through the Word of God, adjust your heart to the truth that He reveals to you. And ask God for the grace to obey what He tells you to do. But this concept is not just for tough times. Jesus didn't just seek to hear from the Father when times were rough, did He? He went out into the wilderness frequently. When times were good, He sought to hear what the Lord was speaking to Him. And I believe the church in America is primarily weak because a lack of consistently seeking to hear truth from the Lord through His Word via the Holy Spirit. That's why we're weak. And we're way too busy. Most of us don't make the time or expend the effort to be quiet before the Lord so we can hear His voice. And we pay the price dearly for that. Can you imagine for a minute what Rancho Baptist Church would look like if each and every person made the time each day to sit quietly before the Lord, carefully listening for the voice of the Holy Spirit through the Word of God and allowing their hearts to be changed and seeking to obey what the Spirit told them. Can you imagine what that would be like? To quote our, our youth pastor, Pastor Shane, I think it would be awesome. <laughs> be awesome. And what, what a wonderful provision that the Lord has made in the Holy Spirit for His disciples, but as well for us. You see, in tough times and in good times, we are triumphant and joyful as we live through the Holy Spirit, just like Jesus told the disciples to do. Let's pray. Father, we, we praise you for the wonderful gift of the Holy Spirit. And Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are our helper, that you come alongside us and you put your arms around us, and you tell us how much the Father loves us and that we're your children. And we thank you, Spirit, that you convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and judgment, so that we just simply need to testify about Jesus, and you do the rest. And we thank you, Spirit, that you reveal truth to us that you hear from Jesus. Oh, please help us to daily seek you, to depend upon you at all times, so that Jesus might be glorified 
in us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.